Come on, give him a big hand clap today. We love Dirk and Kendall. Incredible couple, family. So excited for you guys. Twins. Come on, that's a blessing right there. That's a blessing. Who, who, who likes that blessing? Come on, twins. My brother-in-law has three sets of twins. I was like, Lord, don't bless me that much. That's a lot of blessing right there. Amen. To each their own. I'm excited. I uh, love that family so much. Mark and Rochelle is, his, is actually her parents' name. So I knew they were good people. Amen. You don't meet a lot of Mark and Rochelle's, but when you do, they're great people. So excited, man. It's good to be here with you today. I'm just so, so thankful that I get to live in Orange County. So thankful I get to be your pastor. So thankful that we have the greatest human beings on the earth that live here and go here. You guys have low self-esteem, but um, still love you. Who's excited you live in a great place? Anybody excited you're here today? And I was just kind of thinking this week, I'll get a message here in a second, but I was thinking this week how important it is to, for local churches to be healthy. I was thinking about when local churches are healthy, people come in and get healthy. And when people come in and get healthy, society gets healthy. I was thinking about, man, we changed the world one family at a time. The society was only as healthy as its marriages. And its, its family units is only as healthy as, as they're connected. And I really think that when families get plugged into the church, they get healthy. How many would say that my family's healthier now since I've become a part of the church than it was before? Anybody? Let's give God a hand clap today. Just thank God for great local churches. So many here in Orange County. If I haven't met you before, my name's Mark, and uh, I'm going to preach maybe a little faster than usual. I got a flight to catch today. Someone's like, thank God it's hot here today. But uh, I'll do my best. We started a series two weeks ago. I hope it's been encouraging to you. It's been called Multiply. We talked about how, who caught the first week? Multiplying Disciples. I hope that encouraged you. And then we talked last week about multiplying talents. We talked about how all of the gifts that God has given us, God actually wants a return on investment. God is a businessman that when he gives us, as his children, talents, he expects us not to dig a hole in the ground and bury them. He wants us to go to market. Can I get an amen? And uh, we've been trying to do that the last five years here at Ocean's Church trying to do the best that we can to love people well, encourage people well, and to be a church full of faith that the Holy Spirit would want to hang out in. And so far, so good. Amen? Or as the Faust family would say, so far, so good. Praise them. Well, hey, today, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to open up. We're going to go into our third message. I know this is a sensitive topic for many people. I know that most people would rather talk about prayer or faith than money. But God actually talks more about money than he talks about prayer and faith. I'm not the guy that preaches on it uh, all the time. I, I do a little message every offering, but for the most part, last five years, I've never done a dedicated message to talking about God and resources. So today's the day. So if uh, talking about money makes you nauseous or feverish, you're about to pass out. We're going to have a good time, though. And everyone said Amen. You know, let me just get a couple things out of the way because I want to talk about this. Here's the first thing I want to just, there's two extremes, and I want to just, uh, one of my mentors, he said that truth is found in the tension of two opposing views. So usually it's somewhere in the middle, and there's hyper-prosperity, and there's hyper-suffering. And I think that both of them are wrong. Biblical prosperity means that the wind of heaven is behind you. Who's okay with that type of prosperity? So if you're a school teacher, the wind of heaven is behind you to do it. If you're a lawyer, the wind of heaven is behind you to do it. If you're a songwriter, if you're a preacher, who wants to have the wind of heaven behind you? You guys okay with that today? 
So I promise I'm not going to share. We're not going to dance with snakes. Amen? I'm not promising amount of your donation and giving you oil from the Holy Lands. This is a message I want to do that's for you. I don't want anything from you. And when you go to a church that has a pastor or a leader that's talking about money because they want something from you, not for you, you're in an unhealthy setting. I learned when I was 18, I learned this principle I'm going to teach with you guys today. And it changed my wife and I's life. We've always been blessed. And we've been blessed since we were young. We're still young. Amen. I'm 39. I look 38, but I'm 39 now. And uh, I'm blessed. And I really do believe that to be blessed does not mean you have a private jet. And let me just get two, two extremes out of the way. Well, before we talk about resources, I'm going to make a statement. We're going to read the passage. I want to get into this. And I do believe that it's going to encourage you that already have a good grid. And it's actually going to help some of you that do not have a good grid. And God's going to bless you. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. Two extremes in the body of Christ that I've seen is one extreme says wealth is evil. I can't find that in the Bible. The other extreme is they say poverty is righteous. I can't find that in the Bible. Second extreme is this. It's the opposite. That wealth is a sign of God's love. Listen to me. I know several wealthy people that are evil. And I also know that poverty is not a sign of God's hate. Are we all on the same page so far? Did I lose anybody? Who needs some Tylenol? You got a headache? Okay. Nosebleed? We're going to get into this. I want you to write this down, though, today, because I, I do, this is what I prayed, and I think God wants to get into you today, is I believe that God wants to multiply your resources. And before I go any further, how many would say you want your kids to be more blessed than you are? One more time. How many want your kids to avoid the pain, but to experience the blessing? Even more than you? Would you raise your hand really high? But please, please, just keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. I'm going to ask you a simple question. Do you think you are better to your kids than God is? It's the first thing I want to say, because Jesus said, if you being evil compared to God, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does God want to take care of his kids, right? And again, this is not a hyper, I promise. There's no donations at the end of this message. This is for you, not for me. I want to get this in your soul today. Is He says, if you being evil, not to give good how much more does your father in heaven? God, listen to me, like you, you will not give your kid the car until they learn how to drive. That's bad parenting. When you reward bad behavior, you reinforce a lie. God is the same way. So God wants to take care of us, but there's an obedience side and there's an order side. God blesses things that are in order. And when your house is out of order, you're out of alignment. You guys ready to go today? And again, this is not a, if you do what I say, you're going to have a jet and a Rolls Royce. Some of you might. We're in Orange County. But most of us, to be blessed, has nothing to do with crazy zeros at our checking account. It's knowing that God is taking care of us. Are you with me today? Are we okay so far? Is everybody offended? All right. Praise him. I want to talk to you today on the subject matter, making it count. Making it count. I believe you can be rich and not make your life count. I believe that you can actually have a great marriage and not make your life count. You could have beautiful babies and not make your life count. 
What are you talking about? I believe the world counts differently than God does. We celebrate he who dies with the most toys wins. That's how Orange County counts. That's not how God counts. Are you still with me today? A couple things I want to say is 1 Timothy 6.10 is one of the most misquoted scriptures in the Bible. It usually is quoted like this, that money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the most misquoted. It'd probably be right there with pride leads to the fall. It doesn't say this is a haughty spirit leads to this, and, and, and then pride goes into a fall. So it's misquoted as well. But listen, it says this in 1 Timothy 6.10. It's not money. It's the love of money. Money is a tool. You can use it for good purposes. You can use it for evil purposes. Well, what if there's wicked people in the world that are, that are, that are making money? Should, we, should they give it to good causes like the church? I'm like, yeah, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So I do believe that God wants to take care of his bride, his church. But I want to get these two, two extremes out of the way before we get going. Last thing I would say before we read Luke, Luke chapter 9 is that God promises Abraham, his friend, that I will bless you so that you could become a blessing to the nations of the earth. Very clearly, Orange County, hear me. The reason why God wants to bless you and me is so that we can be generous, not so that we can be greedy. One more line to bring balance to that statement. God's okay with you having nice stuff as long as the nice stuff does not have you. And here's how you usually know if something owns you if you're not willing to give it away. One of my mentors said, you never really own something until you're willing to give it away. Good teaching out of the gate this morning. Luke chapter 9, this, this story is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's actually mislabeled uh, because there was actually about 25,000 people that got fed that day. 25,000. How many? It's 5,000 men. So if there's 5,000 men, that let's just say they're all married, or most of them are married. Let's just say there's 9,000 with the wives and the men. And let's just say they have a few kids each. We're, we're 20 plus thousand like this. So they say between 20 and 30,000. Scholars say it's the largest audience that Jesus ever spoke in front of. Some of you that think that Jesus was wimpy, imagine a man speaking to a crowd of 25,000. No microphone. There's a thousand in here. 25 times it. Jesus didn't have that voice like Kip from the Pauline Dynamite. Something about blessing something. God had, a, God had a distinct voice. He had a deep voice. Now you know, church, by the CD and the DVD. He had a deep voice, right? It was a manly voice. I, uh, sorry. Luke 9, you guys ready to go? Watch what it says here, Luke 9, verse 10. It says, in verse 10, it says, And the apostles, when they had returned from this crazy missionary journey, God gave them power. They're celebrating. They tell everybody what they've done. They were telling Jesus what they did. And he took them away by themselves privately, went into a deserted place. What kind of place? They were in a deserted place. Sometimes you have to come apart before you fall apart. Belonging to the city of Bethsaida. But when the multitudes knew that they were there, they followed him. And when he received them, he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Someone say he taught them. And after he taught them, he healed them. He healed everybody who had need of healing. 
What's interesting, though, is that the day was weary. It was long spent. The 12 came to him. And this is what they said. They go, Jesus, this is the greatest series we've ever heard you teach. You didn't teach one message, two messages, four messages. We're like eight hours in. They said the day is long spent. You know what that means in the Greek? It means the day was long spent. There's been long-winded preachers since the origins. Just trying to be like Jesus today, guys. That's all I'm trying to do. It was a long day. They said, send the multitudes away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get food, for we are in a deserted place here. Jesus goes, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. They're hungry. You give them something to eat. Can I just tell you something today? This is where I want to focus on for, me, for a few minutes. Is Jesus taught their minds and he healed their bodies, but their stomach was still empty. Some of you go to church every week, you pray in the spirit, you know the Bible, but your life financially is empty. You're filing bankruptcy. You can't afford to live here. You're struggling. And I'm not just talking about finances, but I am talking about finances today. How many would say it's okay if God would multiply your resources? Is that okay with you? Am I going to offend you? There's always that one hyper-spiritual person that thinks that suffering is some sort of merit badge. They always come to me after the service looking like the cover girl for the book of Lamentations. And they always tell me, they go, well, I don't need God to bless me. I'm content with what I have. And I always say, I'm glad that you're taken care of. But what about the rest of the world? Look, if it was just you on the planet, I, look, you're cool being content. But as far as I can tell, most of us in this tent can make more money in one day than most of the earth can do in a month. And to whom much is given... To whom much is given. So we will give an account for living in a wealthy place like this one day. God will say, what did you do to the least? Because I put you in a place that you can make the most. We don't like to talk like this. But I promise you that if you'll be trustworthy, God will give you more than you need. And it'll be a joy to bless other people. Are you still with me today? What verse are we at here today? So he said in verse 14. He says, you give them something to eat. Verse 13. And he said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. We have a number three from Long John Silver, extra bread. He said, unless we go in and buy food for all these people, where in the world? There's about 5,000 people here, just the men. How many men? How many men? I got, and it, what's the number message? How many men? He said to the disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Groups of what? 50. So that would take a little bit of time for, for 25,000 people to get into groups of 50 on the grass. It's going to take a little while. He took the five loaves, the two fish, looking to heaven. He blessed them. He thanked God for them. He thanked himself. Thank me. In my name. Amen. He broke them. He gave them back to the disciples. And when they were blessed, it says this, the disciples took them. And, he, and the disciples went before the multitude. So everyone, all, ate, all ate, and all were filled. How many ate? How many were filled? If there was teenage boys there, this is a big miracle. They all ate. They were all filled. And it says this, at the end, they took up 12 baskets of leftovers. 12 <laughs> baskets of leftovers were taken up by them. How many baskets? How many believe that God loves leftovers too? Amen? God's in the leftovers. 
Let's pray today. I want to talk about God multiplying your resources, and my subject title today is Make It Count. Make It Count, Count, Count. You guys ready? Father, we love you. We honor you. For the next 25 minutes or so, would you speak to us? I pray today, Lord, whether we have a good view or a bad view, a healthy view or an unhealthy view, that you would take us higher. I pray that we would see clearer. I pray that we would think more like you want us to think. Lord, today, I do pray this as the pastor of this church, that you would, be, you would find a church full of people that are trustworthy to have what they already have multiplied. I thank you that you don't bless those that don't honor you, but those that do honor you, you, you have a desire to take care of your kids. So, Lord, make us trustworthy servants, sons, and stewards in Jesus' name. And everyone that wants to make it count said a good old-fashioned amen. amen. I grew up loving math. Grew up loving math. Basic math. I like basic math. I think that there was a point in time in history that the devil spoke and said, let's be demonic. Let's put the alphabet in math. I like math until it started dating the alphabet. I was done. I'm like, look, you guys need to just break up. I took algebra one. I didn't take algebra two, but I took algebra one two times. I'm not into this. I'm like, like, why are we, why, why are we doing this? Why is X, why is A hanging out with nine? It's offensive. I feel like there's got to be some sort of separation of alphabet and numbers. It's ridiculous. But I like, I've always been a number guy. I like numbers. I, 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 I just grew up with, you know, basketball cards, and I love car and driver magazine. Growing up, I loved to memorize the zero to 60 times of fast cars. I could know the quarter mile times of fast cars. I liked, I liked the statistics. I bet, bet, batting averages uh, of the best baseball players on the back of the card. I, I would memorize the stats on the back of basketball cards. Magic Johnson, James Worthy. Come on, somebody. And I remember growing up, I just love, I love numbers. I just love memorizing. They just stick in my head. Just numbers stick in my head. Oftentimes, I don't hear things until I hear a number. Yeah. Rochelle will talk about remodeling something. It's all white noise. Yeah. Babe, I want to remodel the bathroom. Like a bunch of da 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 $4,900. I heard that. I don't know about the textures, the tile, the floors, the plumbing, the fixtures, the sink. I just heard $4,900. You could have saved 10 minutes, Rochelle. Just tell me $4,900 reno. Listen, I'm telling you that I'm a numbers guy. Any numbers people in here? You like numbers? You kind of think about numbers? I like numbers. I like keeping score. Can I get a witness in here? I grew up in a different time period back when you actually had to win a game to get a trophy. I know it was barbaric. It was mean-spirited. It wasn't fair. My mom told me that life wasn't fair. You were raised by Tony, too? <laughs> Tony's raising everybody right now. Life isn't fair. I, I remember, like, we had to keep score of the game. I remember uh, at the end of the game, there was a couple times that we'd, we'd hit a shot, but the buzzer, we, it went off right at the same time as we shot the shot, and they had to find out, did the basket, did it count? And oftentimes, the difference between winning and losing was, is that in or is that out? Did it count? Did it count? And I was praying this week, I heard this phrase, make it count. I think we serve a God that makes things count. He makes it count. You know what God wants your life to do? He wants your life to count. Not for Orange County. 
not just for 2023, not just for your family. He wants something in your 60, 70, 80 years to echo in eternity. He wants what you do on this life to affect the next life. He wants your life here to populate the next life there. He wants you to do a life, live a life, entrusted with a life that counts. And many people, they make money, but they don't make a difference. They make a living, but they don't make their life count. And I was praying this week, and God is a God of numbers. Can I get a witness up in here? We know. Some people are like, God doesn't care about numbers. Yes, he does. He does. All pastors think about his numbers. No, God thinks about numbers. There's a book in the Bible called Numbers. Some of you got your wife's number because you said, the book of Numbers is in the Bible. Can I get your number? Those powerful lines, right? Let's give up the number. God's in the numbers. We know that the day that Pentecost happened, that 3,000 believed. Someone documented. 3,000 got baptized. And the church grew. The number of men became 5,000. And we read the story of Gideon from an army of over 30,000 being whittled down to 300. Someone thought that the numbers counted. So they, they put numbers in there. I don't know why they did. And we read in all four Gospels. We, we know it's in all four Gospels, Luke 9, Matthew 14, uh, Mark 6, and John 6, that this story, it's one of the few stories that's in every single Gospel. Somehow God wanted everyone to not miss this idea that God can feed thousands with what's not enough. God wanted everybody to understand that with God, when God blesses what you lack, you can feed more than you thought. Do you know that we serve a God that can bless not enough? We serve a God that can take what is not sufficient and make it sufficient. We, we serve, are you hearing me today? There's, there's a story about a widow that just kept on having oil flow. And as long as there was empty vessels, the oil kept flowing. The truth is it didn't stop flowing until she ran out of an empty vessel. And I believe that God will pour his anointing into every son and every daughter that will stay empty enough and have room enough for God to flood your life. Most people stop getting full of God when they get full of themselves. God wants you to have room for him to fill you up. See, God wants to make your life count. He wants to make your marriage count. He wants your kids to count. He wants your job to count. Do you know that most of you guys will never preach behind a platform like this as a pastor? But all of you will be responsible like me on the judgment day that knows what did you do with what I gave you to make a difference for eternity. Some of you might not give an altar call, but some of you gave a check that gave us a building or an opportunity to get thousands saved. And guess what happens on the day of judgment? You will get the same reward that I got because we are part co-laborers in the same harvest. It's not equal gifts, but it is equal sacrifice. Some of you are not sacrificing by going to India, flying coach class. That's not your burden. I'll take it for you. Some of you are going to spend 45 hours this week traveling, and then six, six different flights and the heat and all the stuff we'll deal with this week to visit all these orphanages. You're not going to do that. But the truth is, I couldn't do what God asked me to do if you weren't doing what God called you to do. Are you hearing me today? There is this collaborative nature of God that is beautiful. 
But God is in the numbers. Can I get an amen? amen. We know there's 5,000 men. 5,000 what? Men. They didn't count women and children. In the world of antiquity, they didn't count women, and they didn't count children. The irony of God is he used what no one counted. Who had the lunch that fed the thousands? It was a boy. So you're telling me that the miracle began from some place that no one counted on. Let me tell you who God is. God will use people that no one else counted. God will redeem stories that no one else counted. God will raise people up that no one else thought would count. Some of you thought you were to be aborted. Your mom would try, try to abort you, but God was counting on your life. God, listen, God was counting on you. Your parents might not have been planning on you, but God was. You didn't come from your parents. You came through your parents. God was counting. It was the packing of a mom's lunch, and it was the presence of a boy that probably wouldn't, shouldn't, couldn't have been there. That God made a boy count that no one else counted. This is the narrative of the gospel. God will make your life count when it shouldn't. God will make your life shake a region when it shouldn't. God will redeem your story when he shouldn't. Truth is, most of us shouldn't be here today. But we're here because one beggar told another beggar where to find the bread. Your life counts. Can I get an amen? God wants to make your life count. We know it. There's hard numbers. 5,000 people, men. There's 25,000 total. They were taught by Jesus, healed by Jesus, but they were resourcefully poor. And I believe there's many people in the body of Christ that know his power, know his presence, know his word, but they do not have their life in order or obedience. And therefore, God cannot multiply their resources. Well, I already have more than I need. Well, you probably would have a lot more. I always tell people that brag about making money without doing it God's way. I'm like, you're going to get to heaven, watch it real, of what you could have been if you would have done it God's way. God doesn't need your help. Well, I, I built this nice house and I made millions of dollars. Like, dude, if you would have honored God with the tithe and gave offerings, you could have been like Elon Musk. I actually think there'd be more billionaires in the church if we would just stop trying to help God. I need to help God. I need to do it my way. I'm going to give what I want, where I want, how I want. Do you know who else had that logic? Cain. Cain said, I'll give what I want, when I want. It reads something like this. In the process of time, Cain brought an offering. An offering. In the process of time. And it says, but Abel brought the first fruits. God accepted Abel's, rejected Cain's. Why? Because God cannot be second place. Do you know why God wants us to return the first and the best? Because he is the first and the best. Are you hearing me today? It's the prominence of God. God cannot, even if he wanted to, there's a few things that God cannot do. There's immutable things that God cannot do. God cannot lie. God cannot do things that oppose his nature. Are you still with me today? God can't, listen to me, God can't learn something new. You know, God has never said, it just occurred to me. He's never thought a new original thought. Because to think something new would mean that you can improve. God cannot improve. He's omniscient, which means he knows everything. Omniscience, he knows everything. 
He's omnipotent, which means all-powerful. He's omnilingual, which means he speaks all languages. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, all the time, like American Express, everywhere you want to be. We know this about God. But many people never access the power of your resources multiplying because you do not position yourself to receive. Listen to me. If you being evil won't give your kids what you want to give them until they take the trash out, until they do their chores, until they respect their mother. Where's the good dads up in here? A couple rules in our house. Francie household, you get away with some stuff, but you won't get away with being disrespectful to mama. My girls, no, you do not. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Dad didn't grow up Christian. You better bring that tone down. There's like eight people inside of me right now. You're going to draw one of the old people. You don't want that. Don't disrespect mama. You respect your mom. And I think God's the same way. God's like, why am I going to give you this great gift if you can't respect my bride? We have philanthropists that give what they want, how they want, when they want. But you're not setting yourself up for multiplication because you're not giving what God wants when he's asking for it. God can't be second. Can I get an amen? He just can't. It's his immutability. God cannot be second. If God golfed, his golf score would be 18. He doesn't miss. If he batted, his batting score would be 1,000. He does not miss. So God cannot, even if he wanted to, God cannot be second place. So that's why he tells Cain, look, you brought something that was what you wanted, when you wanted, I can't receive it. Even if God wanted to, he can't, or hear me today, he can't, he can't receive leftovers. But he's the God that creates leftovers when we obey his word. But most of us never have leftovers because we've never tried doing it God's way. I got to help God out. There's a guy that David knew, he's friends with, that tried to help God out. They were moving the ark from the Philistines back to Jerusalem, and the, 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 the cart was falling over. Uzo was the name. He's, he starts to help God out. The ark's falling. He lifts out his hand to pick up the ark, which was the presence of God. He tried to help God from falling. God killed him at the moment he touched the ark. David was scared of God that day. Moral of the story, he's like, David, your buddy tried to help me. I don't need humanity's help. I'm God all by myself he does stuff that we don't understand he'll have you pray for something that you can't see believe for something that's not possible by he'll ask you to raise your hand at the end of a service like this and say i can't see you but i can feel you and i want to live for you and you'll pray to a god you can't see by you'll get in a tank over here after a service and you'll say, I'm going to identify in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ through water baptism by you ask for a prayer language and the spirit of God fills you up with a prayer language by and the crazy part is is God will say in the area of your finances I'll do more with 90% than you would ever do with 100 but it's going to take and that's why when we give the tithe, we return. Actually, in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible says to give a tithe. It says to return it. It says to bring the tithe into the storehouse, that there might be food enough for my house. Who says you get fed in Ocean's Church? You want to know why there's food in this house? Because we have tithers in this house. I get fed here. It's because we're bringing the food into the storehouse. 
And we always want, to, we want the food in the storehouse without bringing the food into the storehouse. I feel like preaching up here today. Most of this is not in my notes, ladies and gentlemen. I would say this, so most people go, I got to help God out. Listen, I'll help God out. I'm in debt. Let me get out of debt, and then I'll start being a giver. That's like saying, when I get married, I'll stop being a pervert. Same logic. Because what you are when you're single is what you'll be when you get married. I could go harder. I could talk to you about that. When you start having sex, that's not going to prevent masturbation. Set in church, yeah. There is, there is lies in our day that we love, and when someone tells us the truth, it feels like hate. Do you know why it feels like hate? Because we have bought into a love for lies that I can do more by myself than God could do if I would put him first. God doesn't need our money. He owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills. Scratch that. He owns the thousand hills. Doesn't need your hundred dollars. Here you go, God. Don't spend it all in one place. But you know why the miracle happened? Because the first thing God will always do before he multiplies is he'll ask you what you currently have. What do, now listen, no one cares what you don't have. No one's asking you to give like, like Elon Musk today. You don't, you're not like Elon Musk. No one's asking you to preach like Rochelle Francie. You're not Rochelle Francie. That woman's good looking. Come on, somebody. No one's asking you to be anybody except you. And here's what God says. He says, you want me to multiply your life? You want me to make your life count? First thing you got to do is ask God, what do I currently have that he can bless? First question. What do I currently have? Listen, he didn't bless what wasn't there. He blessed the only food at the scene of the crime. What do we have? By the way, if someone stole a kid's lunch and fed everyone in these tents today, I'd be on, I'd be on CNN today. They'd be reporting, preacher steals kid's lunch. Helicopters flying over the tents. Big lawsuit, right? But notice this, that God asked them, what do you have? What do you have? Well, we got a, we got a kid's lunch. Peter actually stole it from him. There was actually three fish. He ate one. There were six loaves, but he ate a loaf. Peter, stop it. That's what we got left. Five loaves, two fish. Jesus says, perfect. Have the people sit down. Here's what I've learned. Are you still with me today? First thing I want you to know is God will use what you have to make it count. He won't try to use what you don't have. He'll use what you do have. And even though you might not be able to reach where you're going to go in 20 years, you can touch something that will get you to the next point. And if you'll steward what you can touch, God will give you more to touch. Are you hearing me today? So we got to understand that number one is what do you have? We know that the, the, the backdrop of this story is it's late. They're in a desolated place. And they have very minimal resources. Can I say it another way? It was late. They were lacking. And they were lonely. Some of you today would say, this describes my life. I feel like I've missed the bus. I'm, I'm too old to retire. I'm too young to be successful. I didn't get enough education. I don't have, I'm, too, I'm late. I'm late. And then you're lonely. I don't, have any, I don't have any connections. I don't know wealthy people that can push me forward. I'm lonely. Or you would say, I am in a, a season of great lack. I'm barely making it. And here's what I felt like, Lord, while I'm teaching on this today, is I believe if you will do things God's way, 
And it's not just crazy hyper faith with no diligence. And it's not hustle without honoring God. The church world just goes to two extremes. I got to give my way out of poverty or I got to work my way out of poverty. God's like, no, it's both. I'll bless the work of your. So there's a blessing that comes on our hands. God will order our steps, not our blessings. doesn't say the, the blessings of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It says the steps. Steps insinuate process. Wasn't the thoughts that are blessed. It wasn't the intentions. Well, I really had a good intention of being like very generous. No, 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 no. What are you doing? What are the steps? Well, right now I can't. I can't tithe right now because we're barely making it. I had a friend, his mentor. He lived in Phoenix, Arizona. He heard someone teach on tithing. And he said, all right, if this is real, we're going to do it. I'm all in. If it's real, we'll do it. And we'll do it the rest of our life. But it's fake. We'll never do it again. He said, I'll give you one three-month window, God, to prove it to me. And guess what? It was June in Phoenix. They had a severe storm come through there called summer. Crazy heat wave called summer. And they, they realized the only way they could afford to tie this young married couple was to not have AC. They went no AC. They were going to do it for three months. They did it for 30 days. No AC. And by the end of 30 days, God began to open up the windows of heaven over them. They started tithing from that point on the rest of their life. He ended up dying on the mission field later in life. And when he died, they're, I think they're giving 50% of their income away every single year. It doesn't say the intentions. It says the, I'll, I'll, I'll drink a little bit less coffee, and I'm going to honor God. I'm going to actually get with my wife and pray about how we can take our business to the next level with God. Are you hearing me today? God blesses and orders our, not your intentions. We have a bunch of wishers in the church. Well, if I win the lottery, I would give tons of money to the church. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You know what money does? It makes you louder than what you currently are. It makes you a louder version of what you currently are. Some of you went, well, I make 100 grand a year, then I'll start giving. No, you won't. If you won't be a giver when you're making $10 an hour, which I think is illegal in the state. Yeah. Idaho, that's like, you'd be retired at 35, you make $10 an hour. Kidding, tough crowd. But the truth is, is if you would be faithful with where you are, God will give you more. There's always people like, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? That's Judas. Judas always gets mad when people are extravagant givers. Why wasn't it sold and given to the poor? Why didn't you sell what you had, Judas? Why didn't you give it to the poor? It's always people judging like, well, if I lived in a nice house like that, I would sell it and give it to the poor. No, you wouldn't. You don't even give anything right now. You don't even buy people coffee behind you in the line. You wouldn't sell your house and give it to the poor. Who are you joking? But there's always these self-righteous people that get mad at people that have money because they refuse to be faithful where they are. I've learned this. Number one, you gotta, you got to be faithful with what you currently have. Let me ask you a question. Have you thanked God for what's not enough yet? Because before God multiplied it, he took it. What did he take? The lunch. What was the lunch? Not enough. You know what God will do if you'll be honest with him and honor, honoring to him? Is he'll take what's not enough right now. And if you say, God, thank you that, you know what, I'm, I'm falling behind on my bills right now. 
I'm not where I want to be resource-wise, business-wise, but I thank you that I'm healthy right now. I thank you that my babies are healthy right now, that my marriage is healthy right now. Thank you that I have stuff that money can't buy. And I thank you that you can take what's not enough, and if you'll bless it, I know that you can multiply it. Most people never get more because they don't thank God for what they have. There's a term for it in our generation. It's called entitlement. Entitlement's when you give your kids everything and expect nothing from them. Do you know that you'll ruin your kids through entitlement? Get quiet up in the Presbyterian church today. I'm going to keep preaching, though. I want you to remember this today, that you are a distributor, not a manufacturer. God multiplied the food, and they got to give it away. Do you know what God wants to do in your life? He wants to multiply the favor, the blessing, the wisdom that's on your life, and he wants to give you resources that can flow through you. I want everyone to give me an open hand like this. Give me an open hand like this. Take the open hand. I want you to put it in front of you like this. This is how we're supposed to live. Most people live like this, closed hand, closed hand. And what happens when your hands close is, not, is God can't keep pouring resources through it. What I've learned is if you'll open your hands, God will let, God will let enough stick to your hands and on your fingers that it will take care of all of your family, all of your needs, simultaneously while great resources would feed the hungry world around you. Ocean's Church is going to live like this, not like this. It's funny you talk about money in church. The stingy people get all tense, and the generous people smile. You're giving yourself up right now. Come on. Tell your face you're having a good time right now. Are you with me still? Almost finished. She'll give me five more minutes. Come on. Six minutes. I want you to write this down today. I learned this. It's a big, big part of what we do is Jesus blessed something that was not enough. When we're thankful, we're grateful for what we have, it prepares us for multiplication. And I want you to catch this today, that it was, it was the first thing that he did is, what did he have? Second thing, are you willing to give Jesus what you currently have? Give God what you have. And he'll bless it, and then he will break it. He will bless it, and then he will break it. It must be blessed before it can multiply. Some of you have never seen your resources multiply because they've never been blessed. Scripture tells us over and over and over again, there's always people in here like, well, giving and tithing was old covenant. Well, it happened before the covenant. It says Abraham tied to Melchizedek. Thousands of years. We know that Jesus talks about tithing in the New Testament. I'll t- I talk about this later, but I want you to get this in your heart today that what we give God has the power to multiply. You ever seen seeds in a store before? You get seeds, you can eat seeds, like sunflower seeds. You can eat them, or you can plant them. But the only seeds that have the power to multiply are the ones that are planted. Some of you are eating the seeds instead of planting the seeds. And I believe if we'll be a planting church, why do we give to other churches? Why are we giving to India? Why are we giving to Israel? Why do we give to other churches? Why do we give to other people's building funds when we have our own? Because if you want a continual harvest, you have to continually sow. We are eating the seeds right now from the seeds that we sowed last year. Why is this church so blessed? Because we're generous. 
the wisest man that ever lived outside of Jesus, Solomon said the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. He says one man gives more than he should and gets more. Another person withholds what he should and comes to nothing. Some of you are so stingy. And I'll tell you what people don't like. They don't like stingy people. I told the Lord, I said, God, I don't want to be perverted and I don't want to be stingy when I get old. See, they, they kind of travel together. Stingy, angry, perverted old people. I don't want any of those things. Can I get an amen from somebody? I want to be the sweet old couple on the beach. Splash and Rochelle. Come on, somebody. Smiling while I'm doing it. Number three, I want you to write this down. Obedience and order. Obedience and order. I want you to get this in your soul today. You can be obedient and still handcuff God from blessing you if you don't put your accounts in order. You can't build a 10,000 square foot house on a 1,000 square foot foundation. Are you hearing me today? This sounds crazy. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. We want crazy results with no order. And God says it's obedience, but it's also order. He says, I'm going to multiply it. Everyone's going to eat. Everyone's going to get fed. But before we do, have everyone sit down in groups of 50. Do you know that that will take some time? Here's what I learned. Sometimes miracles take time. We want to be fed immediately. God says, no, it's going to take about an hour to get everyone organized. But when everyone gets in the right spots, I will take what you obeyed and what's ordered, and I'll satisfy the whole, the whole region. God wants you to be obedient and ordered. Can I get an amen? We're not just tithers. We're savers. You will never give extravagantly if you are not a good saver. My wife and I, we've given away lots of stuff. I've given away motorcycles. We've given away uh, all of our savings, all of our retirement uh, a couple of times. Our 401ks, gave away our Roth IRAs. We had to liquidate all that we own to start this church. You probably started to get rich. I'm like, really? You think I sold everything that I owned and took no salary for 16 months because I moved here to be rich? People are so dumb when they think that pastors get into ministry to be rich. There is way better jobs to make money and have less stress. First year of our church, there was a guy that was coming to our church that said, Mark, I will pay you four times what you make right now if you ever want to leave the ministry. I have a job for you. I don't do this for money, ladies and gentlemen. I do this because you can't outrun the call of God. I personally feel like my job is to pastor this church and I don't do it for the money. Can I get a good amen? And I just obey his voice. God will bless what's ordered and what's obedient. He will bless what's ordered and what's obedient. You can't give big unless you save big. We want to give $10,000 this next year. Are you saving anything? Well, if the Lord provides, then we'll give it. No, no. you got to get disciplined. Some even to get out of debt. We were a young married couple. We said, you know, we're going to live like no one else will, so later we live like no one else can. We paid off our cars. We had no credit card debt, no student loan debt. We got completely out of debt, and then we started giving. Tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. We try to give 1% more every year. We're about 34% of our income that we live off of right now, or we give away 34% of our income. I'm not bragging. I feel like the Lord just wanted me to tell you something, that it's possible if I'm a pastor and I can live off of that percentage of my income. I promise you, you can do it as a business person. I promise you. Must be nice, preacher. No, it is nice. It's good to be in the will of God. I gave away one watch. 
Someone one weekend gave me two watches. I've given away stuff, things, and every time I give something away, God will do more than I did. Are you saying that we give to get? No, I'm saying that when you get to give, God will always take care of you. That's what I'm saying. And what I found is when you obey his voice, it's never really sacrifice. I want you to write that down today. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. When he tells you to give 10 bucks, you give it. It's not sacrifice. When he tells you to be kind to someone that you don't want to be kind to, it's not sacrifice. Because here's what I know. Sacrifice would only be sacrifice if there wasn't an outcome on the other side that you wouldn't be happy with. I believe that when we obey the Spirit of God, it will always be better for us on the other side than it was on the first side. God's asked, listen, he's the only one that can ask you for everything because he is the only one that gave you everything. You still with me today? Is this too heavy for Orange County? Some of you are going to get a grid today that I got to be obedient I have to be ordered. Some of you tithe it regularly, but you don't save. You don't, you don't cut out things in your, you need to have a budget. A budget's when every dollar has an emission. Have a budget and then you don't budge when you set it. Come on, have a budget. Maybe be saving, investing, and giving. That's what we do. Should be living off of probably 70% of your income. Giving 10% back and then saving 10% and investing 10%. We don't talk a lot about this in church. We assume that people know this, but I want to tell you today, this is a good principle to live by. And some of you that make lots of money, God, God's giving you the gift of giving. You know you have the gift of giving when you have the gift of getting. I have a friend in Canada that said, God, I'll split whatever I make 50-50 with you after $200,000. He's given away over $50 million in his life. His daughter says, my dad is not good at anything except making money. She's like, he just blinks and $100 bills drop out of the sky. Some of you have the gift of getting money, but you're not fulfilled because you're not using the gift for God. Listen to me clear, closely today. We don't return our tithe to our Christian schools. We don't return our tithe to non, non-profit organizations. We don't return our tithe to parachurch organizations. We don't return our tithe to donate to Christian colleges. We don't return our tithe to random orphanages. We return the tithe to the storehouse that we get fed in. Where you eat is where you return your tithe. Well, that's too much money for one church. No, it's not. We got vision that exceeds our resources right now. And I promise you, if this whole church would tithe, we will do something that no one in this region has ever done before. God has given us visions to change this world. I've seen them, I've heard them, and we're going to do them. And if you won't step up, God will bring someone in this tent that will step up. If you believe it, shout a good amen. Almost finished. We're going to be obedient and we're going to be ordered. This is the message to the church. The order in the miracle was power flows where there is order and organization. Do you know what I've learned is that a big flow of water without riverbanks is a flash flood. It says the Spirit of God flows like a river. River has order. That's why most churches are either full of the Spirit, but they're kind of out there, or they're very structured and there's no Spirit. Where's the church that has wisdom and power? Usually it's one or the other. But where there is wisdom, with power, God is honored. Yes. we got to be a good steward if we're going to be a great giver. Yes. The disciples took what Jesus blessed and broke, and they fed the hungry crowd. Can God, can God be trustworthy in your life to take what you have? God, I'm going to return the first 10% to you. 
And when you tell me to give to this and that, buy the groceries for the lady behind me, that's an offering. And when you tell me to buy toys for kids in, in India, that's an offering. And when you tell me to, to do something great for my Christian school and raise money for a, a campaign, that's an offering. Can you obey his voice? And here's a question. When you do, here's what I learned. Is the miracle of multiplication, number four, write this down. The miracle of multiplication is this. Is that what I gave Jesus, he gave back to me multiplied. I want you to write this down. It was blessed in Jesus' possession, but it was multiplied in our possession. Bless it! And as soon as it's blessed, you gave it to him, he gives it back to you. And then Peter starts going around the crowd, and he says, all right, here you go, Doug. Here you go, Gerard. Here you go, Malachi. Here you go, Rochelle. Take some bread. Peter's like, don't, eat, don't take too much. And what's crazy thing is, is right when the bread was getting ready to run out, it multiplied and grew in their hands. Listen to me. The miracle didn't happen in Jesus' possession. The miracle happened when the disciples took what Jesus blessed and gave it to the hungry crowd. Some of you have never seen your resources multiply because you've never given them to God and you've never said, God, bless me so that I can feed the hungry world around me. Last thing. You write one more point down. Is that right? Notice this. How many leftover baskets are there? There's a lot of speculation of why there was 12. There was 12 disciples. Maybe it's because God's like, I want to teach my disciples that leftovers are good. Everyone gets a doggy bag. But I think that actually the, re the main reason why is, uh, who's ever been to a really fancy restaurant? Come on, raise your hand. You're in Orange County. Everyone has fancy restaurant, right? You go to this fancy restaurant. What I've been told about the best chefs is the best chefs aren't just those that cook with top ingredients and know how to season things. The best chefs, they understand quantity. The best chefs will go, how many people are coming? 14 and they know the exact amount of food for 14 people. They make a profit because they understand their margins. Are you hearing me today? Here's what we know about Jesus is I'm pretty sure he's a better chef than anybody else. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Jesus is like, whoa, there's 12 baskets left over? There's leftovers? Really? Really? How many think that Jesus was surprised with the leftovers? I want to remind you that his Hebrew name was not Jehovah Barely. We don't serve Jehovah Broke. We serve El Shaddai. We serve the God that's more than enough. The question isn't his ability, it's, it's your ability to honor him. Would you be willing to, to entrust your very life into the lordship of Jesus Christ? You've tried it your way. What would it look like if you say, God, from here out, I'm going to be a tither and a giver. And watch if God does not open up the windows of heaven and actually multiply your resources. I believe some of you, you're going to have deals. Like, why can you be so bold, preacher? Well, number one, I'm bold because I don't need anything from you. I want something for you. And when you're bold like this, I'm bold because I know a lot of the business guys in our church and business women in our church, and I know their stories. I know when they came into our church and they were barely making it, and they heard a crazy preacher from Idaho saying, God can do more with 90 than you can do with 100. And guess what? Some of them were either smart enough or stupid enough to believe me. 
And you know what they did? Is they started tithing. And when we did our first building campaign, you know what they did? One guy wrote $10,000 check. It was the biggest check he ever wrote. He's like, I can't believe I wrote. I'll probably never be able to write another check like this. I'm like, no, you'll be shocked. Less than a year later, guess, guess what he wrote? A $100,000 check. Less than a year later, guess what he wrote? Another $100,000 check. This guy is in a trade industry where most people don't roll like that. I was talking to another guy at our church. He goes, Mark, you, you were praying. We went out to lunch. You prayed for me. My business is going good. But the week we, we prayed, he said, I got a call from a guy, two guys that own this business. They're Muslim guys. And they sold this business to me. And I was able to buy it off of them. It's going to be like this 100x type of project. Blew his socks off. A couple months later, had another deal drop into his lap. Two huge companies. He merged a brokerage. And I'm like, you know what they all have in common? Is they put God first. And it's like things start. I have a friend in our church. He's in the financial investing world. He goes, Mark, I did an, he sponsored an angel house. He wrote a $70,000 check. And after he did it, he goes, Mark, the week that I gave that check, I landed the largest client of my career. It actually produced 10 times what I gave exactly. Are you saying give to get? No, I'm saying you get to give. You get to give. But when you obey his voice, it's never really sacrifice. Because he takes care of you in a way that you're like, dude, money can't make up what God's doing for me. You can't put a monetized amount on what God's doing in my daughters. You can't monetize the quality of my marriage. You can't monetize. Are you hearing me today? Some blessing isn't just zeros. It's what God's doing in your life. Would it be okay if God would multiply your resources? And listen to me. Whether you're smart enough or you're stupid enough to take God at his word, take him at his word today. Some of you, you've made deals with the devil before you knew Jesus. Today's the day you make a deal with God. You say, God, if you be with me in the way that I go, give me bread to eat and clothes to wear, put a roof over my head, surely I will return a tenth to you. I will honor you the rest of my life. I think God is more interested in blessing people than we are in being blessed. I just think God won't give you the keys to the car until you show him you know how to drive. Stand your feet. I do a message like this once every five years. I hope I didn't offend you too deeply today. I just think that God wants to bless you. I think he's El Shaddai. When he recruited his fishermen, he didn't put 10 fish in the net. It was net breaking, boat sinking. When we obey the voice of God, I believe he could break our nets. I believe he can sink your boat. And if your boat's not sinking and your nets aren't being stressed, maybe it's time to go, God, I surrender every single part of my life. Maybe you've been obeying, but you haven't been ordered. Or maybe you've been ordered, but you haven't been obedient. Today's the day we do both. Can I get one good amen? I want to ask you an honest question today. How many of you here say, Mark, you know what I want to do? Is I want to make my life count. If you're here today and you say one of these areas applied to you, try this prayer. Say, Lord, speak to me through this message. I want you to be an honest favor right now. How many want to say today, I want to thank God for what's not enough? How many feel like God can multiply what's not enough? Give a wave offering right now. God, I want to just say thank you. I'm not there yet, but I can thank you for where I'm at. I can thank you for where I'm at. How many today feel like, you know what? I want to give God. I'm going to make up my mind today that I'm going to return the tithe, and I'm going to give offerings, and he's going to bless it. He's going to break it, 
and he's going to multiply it. How many feel like God's calling you to be a giver? Not just a tither, but a giver. Give a wave offering right now. Lord, I want, I'm committing today that I'm going to honor you, and you're going to multiply my resources. How many would love to be able to write a million-dollar check one day? Who, who thinks that would be an awesome thing? Raise your hands in right now. I pray that, Lord, whether they're making 50 bucks a, a week right now, or they're making $50 an hour, I pray in Jesus' name that you would find trustworthy disciples. Disciples that wouldn't eat the bread themselves. Disciples that wouldn't eat the seeds themselves. God, you give seed to the sower. You don't give seed to the thinker. You don't give seed to the, the, to the meditator. You give seed to the sower. So I pray today that we will make up our minds that we're going to be sowers in Jesus' name. Use this church to write checks that would change nations. Use this church to write checks that would change governments and economies. Lord, use us to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. If you believe it, shout amen. Now, I want to do this as your pastor today. He is going to multiply your resources. He is going to give you more than enough. But I just felt like we hit a nerve today that there is a two-edged coin. It's the same address, but it has two sides. Here's where we got to be. Lord, I'm obedient. When you tell me to, to give above my tithe, I'm going to give. But I'm going to return the tithe from here out. That's obedience. And there's the other side called order. And some of you, you're in debt over your head. You're barely making it right now, and I'm not throwing any rocks on you. I've been there before. But I believe that God is a God that gives us wisdom. Who believes that God can give you wisdom to fix things? Some of you, it's you need to start obeying God to return the tithe and to give. And others, it's getting your life and your finances in order. I'd recommend some of you guys get a Dave Ramsey book. Start investing in getting financially free. And you got to be frugal if you're going to be a giver. The Lord knows I'm frugal. Flying coach to India. My gosh, Lord help me. But we're going to be a giving church. If you're here today, all over the tents, and you say, Mark, I feel like God's challenging me in the area of obedience, or he's challenging me in the area of order. I just want you to, to raise your hands honestly right now. I'm not, I don't care about the pretenders in here. that have, They, they want to act like they have life figured out. They think they're above this message. That's fine. God bless you. I came to preach to someone that says, you know what? I need to obey more, or I need to actually get some more wisdom to order my life properly. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I need God to give me courage to obey his voice, just give him a wave offering right now. And with your, wave, with your hands waved, just say, Holy Spirit. Pray this with me, Ocean. Say, Holy Spirit, give me the faith to believe you at your word. I'll give you what I have, even when it's not enough. Do a miracle with, no, with what people wouldn't count. Do something through my life that people wouldn't believe. I thank you. You're giving me wisdom and faith to obey. Second group, you say, Mark, I want to have order in my life. Say, Holy Spirit, I ask you for wisdom. Solve problems. Help me get out of debt. Stay out of debt. Make wise choices. Live on budget. And be a generous giver. With my hands open, poor resources that would flow through my life 
that would feed the spiritually hungry world around me. In Jesus' name. If you pour it, it'll flow through my life. In Jesus' name. I believe some of you are making a deal with God right now that he's never going to forget. It's going to change your life. Some of your grandkids aren't going to remember the broke dad or the broke business, the messed up family, because you're going to order your life God's way. And last thing we're going to do today is you say, Mark, you know, this is a great prayer. This is a great message, but I need to give my life to Jesus. You're not living for God. Maybe you, you prescribe to his teachings, but you haven't surrendered to his lordship. Totally different when you call Jesus rabbi versus calling Jesus Lord. Judas Iscariot called Jesus rabbi, but he never called him Lord. Today's the day that we call Jesus Lord. Amen? If you're here today and you want to make God not the, not the buddy of your life, but the boss of your life. Not your cheerleader, your CEO. God, you're not my employee, you're my boss. I work for you, you don't work for me. If that's you today, you want to rededicate your life or for the first time say, Jesus, I want to live for you. Eyes closed, heads bowed, I'm out of time. I want you to pop your hands up right now all over the building, all over, all over the tents right now. I want to give my life back to God or for the first time. Just keep it up. Lots of hands are going up. I love it. Lots of hands are going up. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. Five, six, seven, eight, real high, 9, 10, 11, real high, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I'm going all in. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. All in, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. 28. Anybody else? I love it. I love it. At least 28, maybe 30. If you're watching online, right heart right now, H-E-A-R-T. I want God to be Lord over every area. Look, money's the easiest part for me to give God. I give my marriage. I give my babies. I give my dreams. I give my future. I give my talents. And yes, I give him my financial life too. He's Lord over everything, or he's not Lord over anything. It's the way it works. So right now, online, right heart, if you're watching, all over the tents, can we pray one last prayer? Get you out of here today. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to be the God of my life. Forgive me for grieving you, sinning, and today I ask you, turn me away from darkness to you and your light. My future's yours. My present's yours. And my past belongs to you. Forgive me, heal me, deliver me, and lead me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, and someone said, come on, would you give them a 10-second hand clap? That's a lot of people today. 28 to 30 people, that's all. Can we give God a good shout of victory today? That's awesome. Last thing we do today, and I'll give the microphone off. We'll get you out of here. We'll, go, we'll all go get some good food. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I have a need physically or mentally. I would love it if God would heal me today, deliver me today. I have a need. I need prayer. Can I ask you real quick all over Orange County, is it weird to get prayer? Is it weird? How many would say that we all need prayer sometimes? Okay, so we leveled the playing field. So here's the question. Do you need prayer today? If you do, I'm not going to embarrass you. Just pop your hand up right now. Pop your hand up all over, all over. I need prayer. I need some prayer. I need a healing. I got a bad report. I need a breakthrough financially, my mind, my heart. Just raise your hand right now. Awesome. Someone's hands up next to you. Just go ahead and find them. Put a hand on their body. You know the drill. Put your hand on their shoulder real quick. Hand on their shoulder real quick. And we're going to pray today. Gerard, I just feel like today's the day of breakthrough, man of God. You know what we're going to do right now, Gerard? Is I, I feel like God's going to take care of you. 
if you want to bless Gerard today, I feel like God wants to bless you financially, Gerard. And we're going to go on our giving tab, and you click on special. I feel like God says, Gerard, he's going to take care of every one of your needs. And you watch. If I want to open up the windows of heaven over your life and pour out such blessing on you, there would not be room enough to contain it. Ask me for wisdom, God says. Ask me for understanding, God says. And ask him for faith, and he'll give it to you in abundance. He's going to take care of you and your children. He's going to take care of your needs. So I bless you today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And with your hands on everyone right now, say, Jesus, we release the blessing of God that makes rich, that adds no sorrow. We bind. Come on, say it. We bind the spirit of infirmity, and we declare healing is your children's bread from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Their mind, their will, their emotions, we speak life in Jesus Christ's name to heal, to save, to deliver in Jesus' name. And if you love them this morning for being an awesome God, give them a good hand clap. Give him a good shout of praise. Wow, what a service, Ocean Church. Are you enjoying what happened today? Awesome. Would you take a quick seat for a minute? I got a couple of quick announcements, and we'll get you out of here in just a couple of minutes. Awesome. Well, my name's Mish, and this is my beautiful wife. Yes. Heaven is rejoicing right now. We would love for you to text OC New Life to 94,000, and our team reach out with next steps. This week, we also have, actually, just kidding, next Sunday, we have youth of uh, feast. Uh, what do we have? Fall Fest. Fall Sorry, guys. Um, but it's going to be a feast. We're going to have free food. We're going to have and a guest speaker. So make sure to invite your friends, your neighbors. We're going to have a great time. And how many of you guys love coming to our Wednesday night services? Yes. Next week for High Tide, we got a special guest. This guy's one of the, one of the nation's leaders in, in, in what he does. I've, I've been at their church, church the Highlands. He's going to be here next Wednesday night. Make sure you put it on your calendar to be here. It's going to be incredible. I promise you it's going to challenge you. It's going to change you. set you free. And uh, last thing, we just want to say thank you for coming. And bring somebody with you next week. Come on, I'm telling you what, this is a life-giving place. This is a place that we've been inviting our friends, our neighbors to, and I'm telling you what, bring your friends. Uh, send this link. I promise you this link will set somebody free and, uh, of today's service. And so send this link out. Let's do the work of the evangelist and share this word in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you're a good God and you give way more than we could ever give. You're a good God and you're a good father. And we thank you, God, that we become more like you when we give. Because everything you do, you give generously. And I thank you that we are already a generous church. And God, I declare that the rest of us are going to arise to the level. And we are going to be more generous in Jesus' name. We love you and we thank you for this week. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. If you could help, we are stacking chairs 10 high. If you could throw some chairs on top of each other, that would be a